We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Good Sunday morning, everybody, and welcome on in. It is Tobin's Fight Show here on 790 The Ticket. Thank you for tuning in. Much appreciated, as it is every single week. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for supporting appreciate it lots to dive into in the world of mixed martial arts and boxing let's get started off with the uh the news of the week still a lot of fallout from conor mcgregor's loss to dustin poirier his leg snapping in fact if you guys missed it earlier in the week later on in the program we're going to speak with dia davis who is dustin poirier's boxing coach and we'll get his uh, load on and everything that went down for his team and Dustin and everything that went into the victory for that week. So uh, you guys will enjoy that conversation if you guys did not catch it this week. It is uh, it was a really really good one. But um, the big news this week, as far as Connor was concerned, was had surgery on the road to recovery. Uh, I believe the word from Dana White was that he is going to miss over a year. It sounds like so he's going to be out for a long long while. Um, but then Connor had his own statement because, you know, we really haven't had any extended McGregor media since the loss. He didn't do the post-fight press coverage, obviously, because he had to go to the hospital. And then on top of that, hadn't really uh, gotten any thoughts from other than on social media, some jabs. He did some weird stuff this week with, like, Poirier's, uh, you know, posting pictures, reposting pictures that Poirier posted of his family and then putting stuff like Gonzo, then deleting it, like, you know some real weirdo stuff and and just i think continues to be pretty despicable out of the uh the whole loss of it all which is uh you know just other than the habib fight you know he's pretty much always been an honorable loser when he has lost and that's just not been the case this time around with this fight but um with with this the big news of the week was that he had revealed that he is been that he went into this fight with a with stress fractures in his shin that he was not healthy and that the UFC knew about it and so this you know brought up a lot of uh questions and I you know I thought I thought that you know everybody already going to the uh oh well the UFC has some questions to answer about this um I get it. You know, listen, the UFC is in a spot where, you know, they're, they're PR with fighter relations and all that type of stuff and treatment it isn't always at the highest with the whole fighter pay thing that Jake Paul certainly brought even more of a new light to, even though it's been a thing for a while. And, you know, the cryptocurrency media deal that they didn't get any part of. But I, I, I've 
been wanting to know, and I saw like you know Jorge Masvidal respond to this saying, "Well, this is just excuse machine. You know, this is him just making excuses." And I know Dustin's his guy, but I was just curious from fighters' perspective because I do think there's only so much that commenters and and media can say about this because these guys a lot of the times are going into the cage with something that is not a hundred percent, you know, a torn ligament, a busted up hip. Um, things that Ben Askren has dealt with, Dustin Poirier has dealt with, all, all types of things like that. Anderson Silva's dealt with going into fights, and and I it makes it seem like you know when Connor just throws it out there like that, it makes it seem like the UFC's was was uh, was like, whoa, oh okay, you know, well the the, the likelihood of it snapping was great, where. It, it, it's one of those where, all right, well, is is it good enough to fight on? Does does Connor feel strong? And if he, you know, if he did, and he wanted to go through with the fight to have a, a multi million dollar payday, um, well, that's on him, you know. And so, I I get wanted to throw out there because it is the big mystery. How does something as as freakish as that happen? even though we have seen it uh, pretty closely together with this and the Weidman thing. Not exactly apples to apples because Weidman was a direct connect snap and this was a, uh, a cr- looked, like a, looked like a hit Dustin, got beat, and then stepped back and cracked, whatever. Um, I, don't, I don't feel like there was nefarious play here with the UFC. I don't feel like this is like a, a, a Friday Night Lights thing with, with Bowie Miles and like they're trying to – you know, or maybe I'm thinking of uh, maybe I'm thinking of Varsity Blues, where they're where they're trying to stick the uh, the spike in them, and they got to rush in there to stop McGregor. No, McGregor, don't go in there. Uh, I, I I don't think it's a situation like that, but um, you know, more stuff could unfold with all of this, and and who knows? But I think ultimately, you know, like Connor wanted the payday to go through, you know, very similar. I mean, this was brought up by some listeners on my uh, my show this week that we recall the Manny Pacquiao shoulder injury where you know he claimed he was basically fighting with one arm and a lot of people got pissed at Pacquiao for that because they hate Floyd and they want Floyd to lose in this case a lot of people wanted Conor to lose even though he does have a lot of fans too but a lot of people uh I don't think people have a lot of empathy for Conor uh in the aftermath of the Dustin Poirier fight so it's not it's not I think having the same reaction that the the Manny Pacquiao thing did uh Manny Pacquiao was even dealing with like class action lawsuits from people because he wasn't uh, a fair shakes, but you know, I mean, could we see something like that if we found out this was even a worse situation? Because he, he did reveal some photos of things that were wrapped up, and he said that he's been having problems with the Yankees. Like the reason that things come out, he goes, uh, you know, he said that he had gotten surgery; it's stronger than ever. The ankles needed treatment for a long time, and that he had uh, stress fractures going into it, and the UFC knew. I think it's the thing that where he said he had stress fractures going into it, and the UFC knew, I, like. Those are the types of things where it's just like he knows what that's going to turn into, and uh, I don't know, I don't know. For me, it's uh, it's a little bit weird. So anyway, that was the uh, the big news that week with uh, with Conor McGregor. There were some other aftermath fallout. Uh, Jake Jake Paul, uh, who's uh, you know got his fight coming up. He uh, he bought a he had a custom made. Conor McGregor, Sleepy McGregor, 
uh, chain, a hundred thousand dollars. He said he spent on it. I can't. I, I I don't even understand spending that much money on jewelry. I I can't even fathom that. But whatever. That's what he says the price was. And uh, he sent the jewelry to Dustin Poirier for the Good Fight Foundation uh, uh, auction off, and said that uh, you know he was hoping that it would get to five hundred thousand, like uh, McGregor originally promised. So we'll see. Uh, I think that's a steep asking price. Hopefully, uh, for Jake, he at least his investment can break even with charity. I would say, but um, it's it's a funny, funny move. As far as Dustin's concerned, uh, no word yet on the Charles Oliveira stuff and 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 when that fight may happen. There was a little uh, kerfuffle between him and uh, Nate Diaz on social media, where Nate said, uh, "Come get this at one eighty five, and Dustin says, "I'll fight you at any weight." So. Uh, you know, maybe, you know, maybe I still think, you know, we'll, we'll probably eventually get that. But if I had to make, you know, if I had to best guess on it when Nate's going to if Nate's going to fight again, um, I don't think Dustin's going to be next. I feel like Dustin's next fight's going to be for the title. I saw um, Ali Abdelaziz because he was doing some media and Habib was doing some media this week. And uh, he had said something to the effect of he thinks Justin Gaethje deserves a shot over Michael Chandler against Charles Oliveira. Well, one, I don't understand, you know, I don't know where he's getting that from because he said something to the effect of, well, Dustin, you know, probably going to rest a little bit and, you know, Oliveira, you know, so who's going to be up next for Oliveira? I'm like, well, how, you know, how often, you know, Dustin fought around? Like, how much, how long do you think Dustin Poirier is going to be out? I feel like he's going to fight at the end of the year for the belt. Um, and he beat Gaethje. So I don't really think there's a conversation here to be had. Um, maybe Gaethje versus Michael Chandler is the way to go, and they go in that direction. I don't really understand why there would be any talk of Michael Chandler fighting Oliveira for the belt again. Uh, it was a good first fight, but it's not like it's rematch worthy. So I don't know. It just felt like something he was uh, spitballing. Um, there were some titles that were announced this week, which was exciting. We had the uh, we had UFC 266. And this is a couple of exciting things. We have uh, Robbie Lawler versus Nick Diaz was officially announced. That's coming back, UFC 266. And you also have Alexander Volkanovsky is going to be defending his title against Brian Ortega, featherweight championship, the ultimate fighter payoff, which I haven't caught any of this season yet. I got to, uh, I, I did, I did interview a uh, Volkanovsky before the season and uh, it sounded like it was a good season. It sounds it sounds like they've gotten into it a little bit, but I just haven't uh, haven't gotten into it. Maybe I'll maybe I'll catch a binge on one day. I'll I'll I'll, uh, I'll pump through a bunch of them. But um, the Ultimate Fighter's always been a show for me. Like outside of the classic years, a lot of the times I get onto it very early, and then sometimes I'll come back and swing around late. But I usually kind of bored. It's like everybody. Everybody's kind of bored of Ultimate Fighter. And has been board of Ultimate Fighter for a while, um, and unless there is great coach drama, it can be a little bit tough to keep me uh, keep me stuck in this stuff. With uh, when it when it comes to uh, reality shows and things like that, I've loved Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender series. One of the things that has always been a thing with Ultimate Fighter too, and I don't know if they've changed it this year because again I haven't seen it, but um, I, I just think that those small just having broadcasters. I know people said that, well, that's part of the beauty of it. There's no bro- I like having the broadcasters. I think you need somebody to say what's happening, the stories behind them, sell it. I think it's an important thing when it comes to new fighters. I really, really do. So that's why I think I've just, gla- like, I like the Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series and, and have much, much more. So they're going to be fighting for the belt. I, I, that's a good fight. I can't wait for that fight. 
Um, and I think that Volkanovsky's got some like proven to do. You know, a lot of people are looking at him and thinking to themselves, you know, Max Holloway got the better of him in that second fight. So he's got a little bit of a, you know, how can he prove he's the man? How can he prove he's the champ? And, you know, Ortega's dangerous. Ortega's real, real dangerous. And, uh, you know, if Ortega, you know, Max's got to be rooting for Ortega hard in that one because, you know, Volkanovsky, I think even though Max Holloway has the rare case of having two L's against a guy, I do think that he has a case of fighting Volkanovsky again for sure. But uh, but I think it makes things a lot cleaner for him if Ortega gets the belt. You know, there's no politics. He doesn't even have to worry about the chem- champ hemming and hawing about it. So I'm very much looking forward to that. And Valentina Shevchenko is also coming back on this one. She's an assassin. Good luck, Lauren Murphy. Uh, all, all the best to you. All the best to you. I don't feel like it. You know, it, it's such a thing right now with the uh, with with Valentina and with Amanda. Like you just feel like good luck, good luck. You know, Amanda's coming up against um, Juliana Pena coming up at UFC 265, and you're just like, I like Juliana. She, Juliana, she is uh, she's uh, charismatic. She's brash. Uh, she's talented. You know, has gone gone through a lot of adversity in her career, and uh, I've actually you know it's a matchup I think we've been wanting to see for a while. But like, but good luck. Because you're going, you're going in there. You might as well call yourself a farmer because you're going in there with a goat. It's tough. It's tough sledding. And then Nick Diaz versus Robbie Lawler. You know, look, I've never been the biggest Diaz, uh, the D- Diaz fans. Like, I'm not, like, in the Diaz cult. But they're fun, man. You can't deny what they bring. And what I mean by that is, like, when they lose, I don't. Uh, when they actually lose, I got to acknowledge that they lose. I don't. I don't uh, buy into like when. They lose, hey, but you listen, they are fun. Like when Nate Nate goes and he went, because I because you I always like predicting what his uh, his answer is going to be to things. When like so when the Leon Edwards thing goes and he and he nearly knocks him out with thirty seconds left, you're like, he's like, well, if it was a real fight, that's how that you know I would have won because I won at the end, and that's typically where it went. Uh, with Nick, Nick's so fascinating because we just haven't heard much from him, and just such a interesting fella in that you know we have a world now where this guy was such a i don't want to say a pariah like he was just he was looked upon as an outcast almost because he smoked weed and you know did all that type of stuff and you know had a huge suspension from it from the las vegas commission and now it's all legal it's sponsoring fights and it's fight sponsoring the UFC and you know he had so much of his career it felt like taken from him and so I hope this does really good business I don't know what his deal is with the UFC or anything like that but him versus Robbie makes a ton of sense I thought that it was either this or him versus Masvidal I think I I I, I like this idea a little bit more because I like you know look I want to see Masvidal like let, let's see Masvidal while he needs uh he certainly needs some get right and he needs some fights to get right. You know, he was just fighting for the title. Like, you know, are you just going to go and do these legend fights, these Bellator-esque legend fights already? Like, are we already riding off to the sunset like that? Or are we going to try and see if we can get ourselves back in line for another title shot? Now, obviously it's not going to be against Usman, but if he goes and he beats Leon Edwards and, you know, if somebody gets by Usman, if Colby beats Usman and, um, you know, is, is, is able to be champion and, you know, do the, you know, him versus Colby's a monster fight. Now that I would say Kamara probably deserves an immediate rematch, but look, we've been seeing now these 
whole he deserves this because of longevity has been put on the back burner for super fights um, in theory. I mean, you know, not really with Stipe. Like, Stipe, they've decided what we're going to do is just forget Stipe and we'll just do interim title fights with, you know, two 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 guys who, uh, you know, you guys will like it. That's it's been weird what's going on with the heavyweight division. So that's in the week of uh of UFC news, man. A lot of uh, a lot of interesting things going on in the uh in the UFC news world. Uh when we come back, we'll get into a little bit more of UFC two sixty four Dia Davis, trainer for American Top Team, the owner of Bo- uh, Boca Boxing District, uh, and been a longtime boxing coach and part of the training staff for Dustin Poirier. We will talk to uh, a friend of the program, Dia Davis. He joins us next. All right, we did a little bit of talk in the first segment over uh, the Conor McGregor injury controversy. He came out this week saying that he had shin, uh, he had um, some stress fractures in his shins. The UFC knew about it. He still decided to go out there and fight. Uh, before this news did come out with the Conor stuff, I did get a chance this week to have Dustin Poirier's trainer, Daya Davis, his boxing coach, uh, part of a fantastic team. He was with Mike Brown, Tiago Alves, and the rest of the the, the crew over there at American Top Team. Daya has uh, you know, been one of the friends of the show for a long, long time. And uh, if you guys missed that conversation, here it is. Here's my conversation with Dustin Poirier's trainer taking us inside the win at UFC 264. Here is Daya Davis. Daya Davis, he is one of Dustin Poirier's trainer, his boxing trainer. He runs Boca Boxing District, a fantastic boxing gym, uh, not surprisingly, in Boca Raton there, Leroy. And uh, Daya joined us on the program here, getting a uh, talking a little uh, a fight with, uh, with him. So uh, appreciate him uh, coming on the program and uh, getting into a little uh, UFC with us. Daya, what's going on, man? Hey, top of the morning, fellas. How we doing? What's happening? We're doing good, man. Doing good. Good trip for Vegas for you guys, I imagine. I imagine the celebrations were fun. I imagine that uh, it was uh, an, an enjoyable last 48 hours after you guys get the victory. How much did you guys get to, uh, to bask in the uh, in the win? Uh, we did. I mean, we had an after party afterwards. Uh, in turn, missing my flight the next morning. <laughs> and not getting home from Vegas until yesterday afternoon. <laughs> Oh, if you miss your flight, it's gonna be hard getting back home. Oh man, it I'm, never fails. I'm in the doghouse a little bit with my wife. But, oh so. man, <laughs> <laughs> what was that? Was there? A, I, I mean, it was star-studded back there. Like, was there a, uh, a celebrity you were uh, you were most like, whoa? I can't believe this person's here to watch that fight. Um, man, it was just so many people there. Uh, got a chance, opportunity to meet uh, David Spade. Um, this guy's got a, a really big hit right now. I think his name Steve Steve Ioki. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, he's a DJ. They always in Vegas. Right, right. Uh just a star-studded event. Do you ever like do you ever uh when when you're w- doing the ring walks like out and and it's a big fight like that, do you ever get uh distracted by that type of stuff in the in the moment where you're like, "Oh my god, that person's here?" No. I mean, at that point, I'm I'm like a horse with blinders on, you know. I'm only worried about, you know, making sure I got the correct information set and ready to go with my fighter. So- hey, next time uh, go with Steve Aoki first, not Joe Dirt. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so um, go let's ahead, get down to business, right? Yeah. So, I, I have a question because this this always, I've always been curious about this because in, in in sports, you know, so in team sports, you could rattle your guy across from you, right? But the ball might not come his way. Right. So it might take a while to get to him. And and the coach will say, don't worry about that, man. Just play your game, play your game. 
when you when you when you're going against a guy like Connor, who is going to constantly try to get you to not to to not fight your fight, right. to to get upset and mad. Does it help having a guy like Dustin Poirier, who's kind of laid back? You know, he's not really that guy to where none of that stuff bothers him. Or do you have to just say, hey, you know, keep him on task, keep him on point, say, don't let that stuff get to you, trying to get to you, trying to make you make mistakes. Absolutely. Uh, You know, we had a pre-fight talk uh, before actually coming out in the dressing room. I said, look, you know, he's a different fighter now. You know, like if you remember the first fight in 2014, um, he allowed Connor to get in his head a little bit and allowed him to rattle him mentally. Um, But, you know, that was four score and seven years ago. So, um, you know, here we are, 2021, different fighter, evolved totally mentally, physically, um, you know, just fighter fighter IQ. He's just a different guy now. Um, but again, you know, just as a reminder to let him know, like, in two, it, you know, this year, in January of this year, you defeated him. Obviously, there was no crowd there. Just before coming out, I said, look, we're doing this now in, in front of a live audience. You know, don't don't let anyone get in your head. Don't let me shout. Don't let anyone shout anything out that that may rattle you. You know, just just keep this like a like you're in the gym. Another day in the office. You know, you showing up to the gym. You got your gym bag. You walk in. You take care of business, and we get out of there. Just a sparring session. Just a glorified sparring session. And he understood. How do you how do you look at a dive as a coach prepping for a guy three times? Like you've gotten a chance to get ready for this guy on on different occasions. Like especially these two where they're so close together. Are you thinking about? When you're prepping for Dustin for this fight, are you thinking about what new stuff can he bring? Are you looking back at the old fight and thinking, uh, you know, he's going to be the same guy again? A lot of people made uh, he was, you know, in a pure boxing stance the last time. Did you think he wasn't going to come out the same style this way? Like, what, what, what different leading into this trilogy did you guys think was going to probably uh, come forth with Conor McGregor? And then what, did, what actually did you see uh, from him in this third fight? So I thought, being that we were so beneficial with the leg kicks, I thought that Connor would try to apply that to us. Um, yes, there was a lot of talk about his boxing stance, and I figured he would try to be on a bounce a little bit, you know, more more so like a karate stance. Um, and his movement has been key for him in other fights and successful for him in other fights. So I, I thought that he would come out that way in the first round, but I also knew that that wouldn't play to his benefit because Connor's a front runner. So if he can't get it done within the first five to ten minutes, then you know the the, the odds favor you much better going into the, the later later part of the fight. How does that work with uh, with prepping, man? Because uh, you know you, you're you're always fo- you're focused on the hands, but like, how do you differ from teaching? Uh, boxing when you have to put in the elements of kicking like it's become such a big part of the sport and guys are doing it so much now is just uh, just you know either uh, uh, keeping somebody at range or something like that like how do you go about teaching uh, your 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 fighters for mixed martial arts adding the element of, of boxing with having to keep the uh, the kicks keep them accountable for the kicks well you know as a as a coach it's it's my job to study our opponents and I do my best to ensue and apply what it is um, that I think we may be looking at come fight night. So although I'm not a kickboxing coach, you know, I may have to learn a couple of kicks, you know, have my guy throw a combination and then maybe not so heavy on that front foot when he's done with his punching and maybe throw a kick just so he knows that he needs to get that leg out of the way when he's done. Um, you know, like when he was getting ready for Khabib, although I'm not a wrestling guy, 
Um, right. Finish with a combination, and I'm I'm trying to finish with a takedown. So I, you know, I'm just I'm just shooting. I'm showing him something that he may possibly see come fight night. So you're adding those elements, like in the prep, like you're seeing like what this guy's how they look, and then like you're throwing it in in the midst of like him doing combinations with you. Right. That's correct. Does that help when a guy's well-rounded in all the different aspects of MMA so that you don't necessarily have to, you know, get on the mat with him and break it down for him? He can more have a conversation with you, and then you guys work out some kind of combination, and you say, I go here, and, like, you kind of just work it out, whereas you don't have to give him the actual technique because he is privy to all the different techniques of MMA. Yeah, that's correct. So, I mean, he's got three different coaches, you know, like myself, his boxing coach, uh, Mike Brown, his MMA slash wrestling coach. And then you got Tiago Pitbull Alves, um, who is his, uh, kick, his kickboxing coach. Right. So we're all, you know, we're all, all the minds come together and we figure out what it is that's necessary to go out and come out victorious. And then we all try to apply our own, you know, technique, our own spin on the fight to where as we see where we'll, we'll benefit from it, you know. We're talking to uh, Daya Davis. He's uh, fresh off of uh, Vegas after Dustin Poirier victorious over Conor McGregor in their uh, their trilogy fight. Uh, okay, man, so what was your reaction as you're watching this thing unfold in the first round? It was a wild first round. There's so much stuff that went on between you know, him coming out with the kicks, Dustin uh, starting to get his hands on him. Then he, you know, he he jumps for a guillotine on Dustin, which seems like just a terrible idea in the midst of it. And then Dustin's yeah. uh, smacking him up. He's gla- grabbing the gloves. Like, how did you take all of that in? Because it felt like, although it was only a one-round fight, so much stuff was going on. So although it was only a one-round fight, you know, the fact that Connor jumped for the guillotine, yeah. guillotine is, is not usual by any standards, by the means. Um, kind of winning by submission. I was like, come on, you got to be kidding me. Um, but the fact that I knew that Dustin wasn't in any in trouble, I knew that um, by by kind of trying to insinuate this guillotine just means he's even more fatigued. You know, it, it's only going to put a little bit more strain on the arms, which is going to work into our benefit. So, you know, I had to fight going into the second and third round. I knew we were in a good standing for sure. And did you did you know immediately what happened to his leg? Because I think it was it was on the upper side of your guys's corner, right? Like Dustin's walking back to you guys uh, after it happens. Did you think like immediately the fight's over, or did it take a second for it all to, to kind of register? No. So the last ten seconds, you know, the corner is primarily getting ready to get into get into the cage. So here I am grabbing the bucket, the water bottle, you know, making sure the stool's out of my way, so I'm not tripping up the stairs. I'm going up the stairs to enter the cage. Um, you know, the bell rings, I get to, uh, get to the corner and Dustin says, I think, it, I think his ankle broke. Mm-hmm. So I looked over and then, you know, Herb is obviously over there checking out Connor. He comes back and he waves the fight off. I'm like, what the hell just happened? So I didn't even realize what happened. You know, like, uh, you know, obviously the last te- 10 seconds of the fight, Dustin was, he finished on top, yeah. um, with some ground and pound. So, you know, I knew, like I said, I thought we were in good standing going into the second round. But I still, at that point, had not realized what had happened. That was, yeah, it's it's just it was a while because I remember when I was watching it live. We all thought I think a lot of people thought this before you saw the replay. I thought that they like almost had like a Rocky two moment where they both hit each other and then Connor just stepped back and it broke. But I guess it, in the replays, it showed it looked like it broke on Dustin's arm. He kicked him and Dustin blocked it, and uh, that's where that that that's where it shot. I mean, it, it was 
horribly goes. Like I was there for Weidman a couple a couple of months ago in Jacksonville. It's just disgusting seeing somebody's leg break like that, man. But um, you know, he gets to hold on to that what if factor, I guess. But like as you said, like he's a he's always been a first round fighter, and Dustin. I mean, you've seen the wars that he's been in. It seems like round five with the chaos. Like, there's nobody better in the sport when it comes to that. So, I don't think there's any doubt in our mind of what probably would have gone on if that if if he would have stayed healthy with all of that. Um, but you know, did it? You know, in the aftermath with you guys, were you able to just enjoy it and, and see it as a victory? You're like, ah, we know how this is going to go now. He's going to be spouting off about what if this, what if that, all that because of an injury. Listen, with all the uh talk that he did afterwards. I mean, he's a great salesman. You know, if there, if there will be a fourth fight, there's already a buildup because of it. You know, the guy's sitting there with his ankle in his back pocket and he's yelling at Dustin, I'm going to kill <laughs> you and you're going to get it in your sleep. I mean, dude, relax. <laughs> I, I always wonder, I always wonder at what point is it too much? Because, like, it's okay if you're on top it's okay to talk all that trash when you're on top. But as you start losing, right, those words mean less and less. And are we to the point where, you know, Connor's just running his mouth, he don't have nothing to back it up? I don't know that for sure, you know, but we already see him after all the years of watching Connor. Everybody in the world knows if you get past round two, you're probably going to win. Right. Yeah, I mean, was it too much? Definitely. Um, but again, you know, if there happens to be a fourth fight between these two guys, then, you know, God bless because, you know, the sale is already there for it. I think a, a lot of Connors fans are delusional. You know, they want to hold on to the idea of the 2014, 2015 Connor. It's a long double time ago. I mean, you know, we've, we've got involvement. You know, some guys seem to get better some guys seem to stay stagnant and unfortunately he's been he's been very inactive you know with with inactivity comes rust dustin's been probably the most active lightweight uh in the division and if you look at the opposition that he's faced all top tier guys um you know there haven't really been any breaks um with the exception of you know he had a little surgery on his hip uh and right after the khabib fight but, I mean, since then, he's been active, and he's been on a tear. The, uh, Does that play a big role, the inactivity? Because I think so. It seems like once you, – when you think Connor had, what, a year plus off, and I'm not even counting the, the Mayweather thing. Right. But he had a long period of time off. Was it, after, it was after Khabib? He had a – Yeah, there, was, was, there, was, there was a layoff. After, after, right. After and, the middle of the fight, there was a layoff. And everybody else in the division is fighting. Right. And you sitting back – for whatever reason, now you got to go back into the ring. Now everybody's gotten better. Right. And you haven't even, you know, competed against any of the guys in your division. I mean, how how much of a factor does that play in it all? Because, you know, if he is rusty and he goes into that ring after, you know, fighting all these, you know, money fights – Right. And not fighting any real competition and you go in there with a real one, you know, how how does that affect, you know, how he's able to perform? So an inactivity can actually it could play into your favor, but it you also have to be doing the right things. You have to be uh professionally responsible. So 
And what I mean by that is if, if you're inactive, you should definitely be in the gym, um, you know, honing your craft, getting better. And I think, you know, Connor's got so much money. What, what's the motivation for you to do that? You know, um, for Dustin's standpoint, I mean, like he's active, but he's also getting better. You know, he's not, he's not active and, you know, taking damage and, um, you know, if you're in there taking damage, then obviously you're taking years off your your fighting life. Right. Um, but he hasn't been. It had, that hasn't been the case. You know, he's he's out here winning. He's winning in impressive fashion, and uh, he's getting the job done. Uh, and each time, like I said, he's getting better. He, he's now finally going to get that uh, that chance again at the undisputed championship. Um, how do you feel about this uh, this matchup against Charles Oliveira? You know what? I haven't had time to um, dive into that matchup just yet. Uh, I've only been keeping my eyes on Oliveira as of the last, or as of his last two fights. So the Ferguson fight, and then obviously the Chandler fight where he won the title. Um, but I like I, I like our chances, man. You know, I obviously know he's a ground guy. His stand up, his his striking has gotten a bit better, but I don't feel it's you know at the level to to our striking. Um, but I, I think it's a good matchup. It's a matchup that needs to happen for sure. Yeah, it's going to be a fun one, man. Before we get you out of here, we're talking to Diet Davis, who's Dustin Poirier's uh, boxing coach, runs the Boca Boxing District, fantastic gym in uh, in Boca Raton. Uh, one fight that was officially announced this week. I wanted to get your thoughts on this: Manny Pacquiao, Errol Spence. Got a, it's it's going to go down in August. What do you think about Manny at his age coming back and fighting a guy at the top of the mountain like Errol Spence? And do you think that Manny has a shot in this one? I think Manny has a shot. You know, you can never count a guy like that out. Um, eight-time world champion, uh, legend, you know. You can never count a guy like that out. Um, He's so active, man. I've never seen a guy punch that much as long as I've been boxing. Man, he doesn't stop. I know. And another guy who doesn't lose power late. Uh, but I, honestly, I, do, I have to favor the younger guy, man. I think uh, Errol is hungrier. Um, like I said, he's hungrier. He wants it more. And, you know, if you're going to – you know, cement your name in the sport, then why not do it off the back of the legend like Manny Pacquiao? Well, I appreciate you giving us some time this morning, Diet. Thanks, man. Uh, anything you want to say as far as uh, how people can find you at, uh, at Boca Boxing District? Um, on Instagram, you can find me, Boca Boxing District. Uh, you can find me personally, uh, my Instagram, Daya underscore Ali. Um, and that's it, man. Well, listen, man, thanks for giving us some time. We appreciate it, dude. And uh, congratulations. That's awesome. It's it's an awesome weekend for you guys. I'm glad you had so much fun. You missed your flight. And uh, <laughs> we uh, hopefully you're not in too much trouble with the wife. But hey, man, you, uh, you guys deserve it. That. That, listen, man, that's a big that's a big weekend for you guys. That's, I know. I know. It's all good. We, I smoothed it out. <laughs> all right, man. Have a great have a great have a great rest of your week. Awesome, man. Thanks for having me, guys. All righty. Thanks again to Diet for the time. Really appreciate his breakdown of UFC 264 and a little bit of, uh, of uh, Pacquiao and Errol Spence, which was uh, got the official stare down uh, earlier this week. So appreciate Diet for the time. We're going to do a little bit more boxing on the other side. Some news coming about George Cambosis, Tiafimo Lopez. What's the latest going on with that fight? We'll uh, get to that on the other side. Welcome back, everybody. Tobin's Fight Show here with you on 790 The Ticket. Uh, I want to get to a little bit of boxing news. So uh, one story that we've been following particularly closely down here has been the uh, the George Cambosis versus Tiafima Lopez card. You know, we that that fight was supposed to happen down here in Miami. 
It ended up getting uh, postponed, and uh, Tiafima Lopez got COVID-19. There's been a lot of rumblings around it, too, like the really, really poor ticket sales, um, almost non-existent ticket sales. You know, There was a, a dispute on even the price of the tickets that were going down. And this was supposed to be Triller's big venture into the world of, of real boxing. You know, they got a new, uh, they got a, you know, a series that they announced this week. They're going to be doing a residency in the theater at MSG, which is going to be cool. Michael Hunter is uh, headlining one of theirs, and they're doing that verse, that Triller versus thing that's gotten really popular. And they did good ticket sales on the first one. Um, but this one, you know, this one we've been kind of left in the dark of, all right, well, when is the rescheduling of Tiafima Lopez against George Cambos is going to happen because like, for example, we just had uh the, the same fallout, a positive COVID case with T- Tyson Fury. They announced this week that Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, they're going to be fighting on October 9th. So that one's all set in stone. And there was an initial one of like August 14th, but really got no details out of it. So there was a report this week uh, from Mike Coppinger of ESPN, newly of ESPN. So shout out to Mike for uh, the new gig. Um, that Triller is making plans to stage the rescheduled Tiafima Lopez, George Cambos undisputed championship fight at the at uh, a stadium in Sydney, Australia, the hometown of the title challenger. Um, but Lopez's manager is uh, is not down with this. That they don't want to do the fight in Sydney. That they don't want to do the quarantine. And they're saying that it's a distinct advantage. And he says, our, our, "This is uh, this is the um, manager, David McWater, who says our main objective is that they're asking a guy to fly international, cut weight for 14 days while in quarantine. Uh, I don't know when we have to give up the title. I think if they want to move it that far back, the IBF will rule that's fine. Uh, we'll give up the title, and he can go fight the next available contender, Isaac Cruz, for somewhere around 70,000 for the vacant title." One of these guys is the undisputed champion, and the other is a mandatory contender. I don't know when they became equals. I get the Lopez side of uh, frustration here, but one of the problems has been that the postponement being as late as it was, which, you know, rumors are not rumors. I mean, it's been put distinctly on on uh, Tiafimo Lopez getting COVID-19, you know, not getting vaccinated, which doesn't make you immune, but it does deter Um and he got symptomatic and got sick and all that type of stuff and wasn't able to fight. Um, one of the things, it, it's been pinned on that. And the idea was that they lost millions of dollars not being able to have this fight in Miami when they were supposed to the postponement. So they're trying to recoup the money. And, you know, the idea is, I guess, where do you go do that? This is the fight that they've been on. This is the fight they have the rights for. And then, you know, as much as it's said that they're upset about um, the lost money that they have and Tiafimo's upset about not being a contender, this is... Uh, more money that he's gotten from Triller than he would have gotten for anybody else would have been more for him fighting whomever top rank put forth at him for the 1.5 million that he typically makes. So there's a give and take there. And I get the, the, you know, the whole, Oh, it's an advantage thing for Tia Fimo. And look, the one thing where that, you know, you can miss me with that when it comes to that is like George Cambosis was here training. He was two days out from, getting to go home and then be in quarantine to then go see his, his little kids and his wife is pregnant and all that type of stuff. You know, he's had his own things that he's had as obstacles that he's had to deal with here that Tiafimo Lopez didn't have to deal with. So, yeah, I get it. He is the champion, and the champion feels like he's got to get a nod. But ultimately, you want to get paid, right? Like, you want to get the, the money to happen. So 
I don't know, man. I feel like, if anything, it is, it's still going to be a, a pretty bonkers show if it does happen. The one thing with Tiafimo here that, that puts him in a tough place is, you know, he left his promotional company to go do this to the highest bidder. Like, he, you know, he could have been with his promotional company and they could have gone in. I know they've restructured a deal and things like that, but they made such a big deal about making this leap over to trailer and the money they were going to make kind of feels like you got to do what you can do uh if the company is trying to make the fight happen for everybody to get paid and there's been stuff with triller like don't don't get me wrong there's been things about the the relationships that they've had with tyson and jake paul not being able to keep those and some uh you know tyson and roy jones have both squabbled about you know what what money they made in relation to that fight um trillers still i think i think in uh, in uh, legality fights with mike tyson um because they say that they have the rights to his uh his next event so you know it's a tough spot uh i get the frustration from uh from tfm olivas look they didn't want to this isn't the first time they've done this idea either i mean when this fight was first uh put together the one of the ideas was they wanted to do it in sydney australia that they wanted to do it uh, in in George Campos's uh, nation, but the the one thing that's a little bit different than it was back then is Australia was at a point where you know they had the the, the virus very much under control and fewer places were were open like South Florida has been. So I don't know, man. It's uh it, it's an interesting one. It's a tough situation uh, for all sides. Man, I, I got to think that I I think that this is probably going to end up. Uh, with it over in Sydney, even even as pissed as uh, Tiafimo is, I think he's got to go whatever way it is to go get the bag. You don't want this falling apart, and then uh, you're kind of going back to top rank with tail between your legs. Even if it is uh, for you know a Lomachenko rematch, is it going to be for this kind of money? You know, six million is he going to get for that when uh, with, with everything that went down? I, I doubt it. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see. I definitely want to keep following that and see what path that goes down. Uh, as we did mention the uh, the t- the uh, Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder fight that became official this week. They're going to be fighting on October 9th in Las Vegas, so that'll be back. We also had the uh, Jake Paul and Tyron Woodley launch press conference this week. That's going to be uh, next month, and they had a bet where Tyron Woodley is uh, betting that if he loses, he has to get I Love Jake Paul tattooed on him and vice versa. If Jake Paul loses to Tyron Woodley, he has to get I Love Tyron Woodley tattooed on him. Not exactly betting your purse uh, and all or nothing stakes. It's kind of goofy if you ask me. Um, I'm actually, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of intrigued by the matchup because, listen, it's not two boxers. I'm not really a, a snob on this stuff as, as much as it uh pains a lot of people and listen jake paul's fights have been entertaining he's gone and knocked people the bleep out even if they're not i don't want to say he's knocked fighters he hasn't knocked fighters out all um well he did knock he did knock ben Askren, but ben Askren can't punch so he knocked a non-boxer non-puncher out in a boxing match but he did it virally he did it with uh with some style with some pizzazz and that i think he gets a little bit of credit for and i kind of like this matchup for him i really really do um even if he is taking on somebody who can punch a little bit He's had the the ring walk experience. He's been in there with some pretty fantastic trainers. Um, and haven't seen Tyron Woodley be good in a fight in a very, very long time. So I actually am leaning Jake in this one, uh, believe it or not. I think a lot of people are thinking that he's finally going to go in there with somebody who can punch back, and that's going to be bad news for him, and he's not going to have a chance. But I don't know, man. I think that they uh, they picked these guys for a reason. I think they're smart and savvy with the uh, – 
the buildup for him. There's a lot of MMA guys I would still pick to beat Jake Paul. I don't know if Tyron Woodley's one of them. Even with him having that bomb knockout power, it's still a uh, it's still a question of volume and a question of how um, how much does he have left in the tank? You know, it's been a long time since that Robbie Lawler knockout. Um, it's been a long time since even the Darren Till fight, which was probably like his last great performance, which was a long time ago. So it's a, uh, you know, I'm interested in the matchup. The the the, the lead up hasn't been, I think, as uh, as great as they hoped it'd be. But we still got a long time till fight week. But it hasn't exactly been gotcha hat thus far. There's another fun fight that looks like it's coming down the pipe. We talked a little bit about the uh, the heavyweight matchup between Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder, but uh, t- Andy Ruiz looks like he's going to be making a comeback soon, and apparently. The uh, the two opponents he's targeting are Luis Ortiz and Dillian White. Both fun. Both fun. I think uh, interesting, too, because, you know, we saw Ruiz get knocked down by Chris Ariola uh, early on in his bout. But, um, you know, listen, he's still the guy who was undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. Those are fun, intriguing matchups. Both of those guys definitely looking to solidify themselves as title contenders once again. Um, White interests me a little bit more because you know he's been you know doing the you know he's always uh, on that fringe of of wanting to be on it and if you beat the former undisputed champion of the world uh instead of what everybody kind of knows him for which is being second fiddle and losing to the once undisputed champion of the world i think that uh i think that goes a long way for him i think the build-up would be fun ortiz is always a fun fight don't get me wrong but i do think that some of the shine from from Luis as as uh been taken off just because of the way that he lost to Deontay Wilder. He's still the man. He still is, you know, as tough as they come when it when it comes to matchups and nobody wants to get in there with him. Um and and, and I think that he definitely could do some things that bother Andy Ruiz for sure. But I'm just like off the top of my head, if I had to choose which one I want more, I would say it's it's Andy versus Dillian. I think that that's the uh, the matchup I'm more into and more intrigued by. That's our show for this week, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. You missed any of the show, download the podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever podcasts are available, and we'll talk to you next time. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.